Welcome to TCN Talks. I'm your host, Chris Como, and the goal of our podcast is 15 to 20 minutes of relevant need-to-know to help you in your role as a hospice, powder care, and serious illness leader and team member at all levels of the organization. So our goal is concise, relevant, need-to-know to help you in your role. And the book end of our podcast is just always something to make you think deeper about our topic and about life itself. So our guest today, who has who has the um, great bragging right, that's the only guest so far we've brought back twice back to back because it just had such good conversation. So Kent Anderson is the president and CEO of Ohio's Hospice. Welcome again, Kent. Oh, it's great to be here, Chris. I, I enjoy our conversations. Absolutely. Well, Kent, what, just real quick, tell our folks just a little bit more about you, just on a personal level and just about your organization you work with. Yeah, so... Um, President CEO of Ohio's Hospice, uh, as we talked about uh, in in the part one, um, uh, I don't want to do any commercializing of, of that, but I think one of the things I, I'm probably most humbled by and, and proud of at the same time is that uh, one of our strategic pillars is kindness. And so uh, one of the others is servant leadership. And so what I ask of every member of our organization, because remember, leadership isn't given by title. Um, and my definition of servant leadership is really simple. Seek first to serve, then to lead. Never, never come from a place of title or position and treat everyone kindly. Uh, I had a mentor once tell me that your responsibility in this world with every person that you encounter is to raise their self-esteem. And if you think about that, no matter who it is, and especially in these politicized, polarized times, if we all were a little bit more civil and a little bit more kind, I think we'd be in a better place. And so it's hard to live, um, but some of that's informed by my Christian values, but some of that's just informed by my humanity. That's well said, Kent. And I got to tell you, as a young auditor, my first job out of college, I had this incredible mentor who's a managing partner, and he taught me the the term, the tone at the top, and that the leader set the tone. And what I could mirror back to you is you are incredibly humble and kind, and that tone sets throughout your whole organization. And it starts with you. You walk that walk. And you'll, you'll fuss at me later for saying that, but you do walk that walk. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, Kent, last time, so the whole uh, point of this uh, series of podcasts is really what do boards need to know? Because this is such challenging times. And I think both you and I feel like these next five to seven years are going to be a very interesting ride. So if there's any timeliness in this podcast, it's now. And so you laid out almost like an outline of what do you think that boards of nonprofits should know? And I'd love for you to go back over that real quickly, because I want to come back to a question related to that. Sure. You know, the There is a legal description of what a board member is responsible for in the not-for-profit, and we have to remember they're volunteers. And those three duties are duty of care, duty of loyalty, and duty of obedience. And so when we orient a board, we talk about that. Um, But then how do I put that in context? What, What does that mean? And so the three areas that we really highlight are fiduciary, but we talk about stewardship, being good stewards, quality. Uh, the care we deliver and the the impact that has on our communities and our brand, uh, meaning the trust in our brand from our communities. And then finally, compliance. We're in a heavily regulated industry, and that regulatory environment is only going to increase in complexity and oversight. So 
those are the areas that we sort of outline and, and we want to keep them focused on. Mm-hmm. Of course, on top of all of that, we always share mission moments with them so that we don't get lost in just the regulatory and the financial, but we remember why we're there serving people. That's great, Pearl, that actually I, I meant to ask you about in the first podcast. And I love that. A lot of our TCM members start their board meetings in the same way because to me it sets the table on like as kids, we always say grace. Actually, we still do it with our family, right? Before you're setting the tone. Yeah. Well, starting with that mission moment, you're setting the tone. Now, one thing you said uh, at the end last time, Kent, is also about nimbleness. Can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, you know, the the world is changing pretty quickly. And I would say in healthcare, in, in our move from volume to value, there's so much change that's happening. And you can look at that from a reimbursement standpoint, from a regulatory standpoint, but you also have to look at that from a consumer, a patient's perspective, a family's perspective. What are they expecting, right? In terms of receiving the care. I remember growing up, one of the things is when, when my mom or my grandmother would take me to the doctor, we got dressed in Sunday best. You know, you got dressed up to go to the doctor and if the doctor said to your mom, hey, go home and, and give this kid two quarts of cod oil a day, you went home and drank two quarts of cod oil. And we think about that. It was a very paternalistic relationship. Today, it's more collegial, right? Because it's the patient's body. It's the family member's family. Um, and we have access to so much more information about providers and the expectation of how those providers should interact with us. And if you doubt any of that, all you have to look at CMS and look at the age caps. That's going to be part of our reimbursement. How well are we caring for somebody in terms of clinical outcome, but how are we treating them? Hopefully with respect and kindness and courtesy. Um, So that just really shapes what we have to focus on and expect. That's, That's great. And there are two other things you talked about last time which are partner or parish. And then we also talked about competition. So this is the picture I'm getting in my head. Can't almost like these scales of justice on one hand as the board, they have their role, their stewardship and compliance, which is all about kind of managing that risk aspect. And then on the other side, being nimble, you have hyper competition coming at us partner and parish. It's almost like one is offense and the other in a way is a bit of defense. And so So it, it kind of, and again, it's not that they're absolutely opposed to each other, but I think yeah. some people would look at that and go, well, how does our board do both? Because probably if all they do, right, is batten down the hatches, it is not going to end well. No, no, I don't. Yeah, that, that would be assuming the storm's going to end. <laughs> and and I'm, not, I'm not sure that it is for, as you said, the next five to seven years are going to be tumultuous and um, it's going to require that nimbleness. You know, do we do we tack right? Do we tack left? And understanding. So the best, I would say, in terms of that sort of competing um, perspective is nimbleness has to be based on data. It can't be based on the leader's ego or the leader's um, uh, personal bent. It has to be based on data. If the nimbleness is based on data playing offense, then we come over to the other side of the ledger, the the fiduciary and the compliance has to be based on data. So I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but if we can set that table, so with compliance, I talked about heat maps, you know, where is our risk? 
Mm-hmm. We're, we, we have people serving people. Just in that statement alone, the risk goes up to here, right? So how can we put boundaries around that to make sure that we're not creating liabilities for the, for the organization? And most people think of liabilities just in simple financial terms. What about liability to your brand? What about liability to your, your mission? You know, one of my favorite um, frames of reference or quotes, and you and I have talked about this in the past, most people have read Jim Collins' Good to Great. Most people haven't read Jim Collins' monograph, Good to Great in the Social Sectors. And I give it to every new board member, and I reference it a lot. He said in that book, and I'm only paraphrasing a little bit, not only does a community have to believe in your mission, they have to believe in your ability to deliver that mission. When those two things are present in your community, your mission becomes irreplaceable. I remind the board of that. We should be thinking every day about relevancy of our mission so it remains irreplaceable in our communities. If we're doing that as leaders of our organizations, then I think we're advancing mission in a way that's respectful, that is focused on community, and ultimately makes the mission itself relevant and sustainable. Well, that's really good, Kent. You know, something you said last time that stuck in my brain in our first podcast, we were talking about private equity. Um, and something that occurred to me, and you probably already thought about this, private equity investing in healthcare, there's a core assumption there that there's an exit. There's there's an exit. But with us, and it gets to your point about the mission, there is no planned exit. No. But yet it is an interesting time we live where that mission is very much in jeopardy. And Absolutely. so um, and so do you, do you think that, is there a way to phrase that where boards really could understand that, that this is something that didn't differentiate us? Because to me, it just puts a huge exclamation point in that fiduciary duty. Because again, battening down the hatches, I see so many boards just going, we just need to see if we can survive. Yeah. But yet it's the exact opposite of what you need to do right now. So can you reconcile that for them? I think the only thing that comes to mind immediately in that question, Chris, for me is when we think about private equity, and remember, we have to stratify that because there's some private equity firms that are looking for ROIs that are 10x, and oftentimes those are quick. Some are looking for five or six X, and those might be four or five years. But nonetheless, our mission's our mission is celebrating its 46th anniversary, you know, this year. And you go, hmm how do we reconcile that with what is expected? So the way that I would contrast it is on the investment side, you have shareholders. Mm -hmm. I'm an investor. I have a portfolio. And in that I'm expecting returns. So my money grows as a hedge against inflation, right? In our community, our people in our community are not shareholders, they're stakeholders. They have a stake in our mission because at some point, in our community, if they're facing the end of their life or serious illness or chronic illness, we could be a service to them. So it's a much different way to think about the context of how we give back and how we make our stakeholders satisfied, confident versus a shareholder. Because that test is pretty easy. It's almost like an NFL game, right? At the end of the day, I know who won or lost. Yep. Stakeholders in our mission to the community, it's not at the end of the day, but almost every day we have the opportunity to make our community a better place, a stronger place by delivering exceptional care. 
That's great. You know, when I was thinking when you were talking about the beginning of just the things like stewardship and the compliance side, the goal is not zero risk, right? What, no. how, how would you frame it? What's Because I think some board members feel like then maybe that is their goal is then batting down the hatches, everything's buttoned up so we have zero risk. Well, that's very difficult then to be nimble if that's the case. It is. Um, I think you have to have tolerable risk, right? What level of risk are we willing to accept as an organization to advance the mission? Not risk for the sake of risk, but to advance the mission. And what I mean by that is, look at the core competency of, of community-based hospices. Forever, we've cared for people who are frail, elderly, chronically ill in the location they call home. There's no one in our communities that serve people every day in nursing homes and hospitals, in their own homes, in uh, assisted living, independent living, go down the list. There's no other organization that does that. We're the only ones who do that. And on top of that, many of us serve patients and facilities that we own and manage. Mm -hmm. The other core competence that we have that I think a lot have given away is triage. We're available 24 seven and we've got clinical staff there to help serve you. So if I take those core competencies and apply that, there's a little risk if I start to go outside of my hospice regulatory box. So as a leader, I've got to understand how to have acceptable risk. What licensure do I need? How do I structure something to continue to expand those core competencies along the longitudinal care continuum? Mm -hmm. And the need for our services, as I said earlier, it's only going to grow. You talk about a silver tsunami. It's only going to grow. We'll have one in three Americans by 2030 living with some form of chronic or serious illness. Think about that. Yeah, it's over 100 million people. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, one in three. Wow. Um, so, Kim, whenever I was, again, listening to, again, these things that feel like they're because it is difficult. You said board members, they're volunteers. They have a life besides sitting on our boards. But yet their role is so critical because ultimately, in some respects, um, the buck stops with you as the CEO, but you yeah. depend upon them to be making those right decisions and being good stewards. So I don't know if you you talked about Jim Collins' monograph. I don't know if you know the story behind our TCN logo, Kent, but the book that Kent that um, Jim wrote before um, Good to Great, which everybody knows him for, was Built to Last. And you Built think of, last, yeah. you think of your organization, forty six years. Most of our TCN members, thirty years, 35, 40, 45 years. And he used a metaphor, and, and Jim is so good with that. It's very sticky concepts. And he's, he said, here's how I'd describe it. These organizations that were built to last. And what I love about Jim, too, is he's, he's data-driven, right? He doesn't just go, hey, I got this idea. He goes and cranks through the data and looks for organizations that rise to the top, and then he dissects them. And so to me, this is something all board members need to hear because this is a really good place to pull from some wisdom because we want our hospices here 100 years from now. And he said, this is the metaphor. It's like a hurricane. So hence the swirl in the TCN logo with all this chain swirling about. But in the middle, there's this somewhat unchangeable core, the mission, vision and values of the organization. But even just like the eye of a hurricane, those things can shift slightly. We don't want them to become sacred cows, but they shift slightly with all this change in innovation. And just listening to you, I feel like that's a really apt metaphor because yes. – in terms of thinking about how you've actually worked with your board. So I don't know if you want to unpack that or make any comments. I, I think the only thing I would say is, you know, oftentimes I'll be talking to a leader and they'll say, oh, my board will never go for that. 
And my comment usually is then you haven't provided the right information and the right leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, boards rely on us for that leadership as, as leaders of our organization. And the only thing I know is when you have a confident board, they'll go with you. You know, leadership really is about influence and you've got to have an influence over your board. Yes, you report to them, but at the same time, they're relying on your expertise to, to gain confidence. You know, the first the first board meeting I had, my board had never seen death service ratio, hospice penetration rates. When I showed them all that data, they went, wait a minute, we've never seen that before. So I would challenge leaders of organizations to say, make sure your board's engaged. And what I've found by personal experience is between mission moments, that's that core that you're referring to, why we're here doing what we're doing, and all the swirl that's around us seems less of a swirl when you can show them data, help them understand that data. Look at what we deal with, cost reports, pepper reports, just go down the list, right? They're used to data. These are smart people. Give it to them in a way that's digestible, that raises their confidence. That's when, as a leader, you've done service to your board and also, by the way, your whole team and your community. That's great, Kent. Well, this has been awesome. I just want to give you an opportunity, just any final thoughts. Again, almost like the locker room talk between Ken Anderson and nonprofit boards throughout the country. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd say is, first of all, if you're a board member, thank you for your service. Thank you for stepping up and volunteering and serving. And if you have the privilege of serving in a hospice uh, in any type of leadership capacity, back to that idea of servant leadership. One of the things our staff isn't here for rah, rah, or let's make more money. Um, What I found is you have to show them respect and you do that through love and kindness. And if we respect and elevate our staff in that way, I remember um, Herb Kelleher from Southwest Airlines who said, you have no chance of treating your customer like they're number one if you don't treat your staff like they're number one. And I try to remember that every day. How do we elevate our staff? How do we honor and respect what they're doing every day? And by the way, it's really hard work. It's physically taxing. Um, it's situationally taxing. And there's a there's a, this constant dealing with high emotional state. So as leaders, wake up every morning and think about if it's 95 degrees outside, is your staff hydrated and how can we help them? And if it's 22 degrees outside and snowing, are they have enough to stay warm and be safe on the roads and a warm cup of coffee? Try to not look from your desk. Um, John LaCar said, and it's great, the desk is a dangerous place from which to view the world. And I put a comma after that and make decisions. So try to look from their perspective and not toward it. That's great, Kent. Well, Kent, thank you for taking your time and thank you for the work that you do. I, you've been an inspiration to me. You've inspired even um, Telly asked early on in terms of what we're doing. And so look forward to continuing to collaborate with you as we both go forward in these very interesting times that we live. And board Absolutely. members, truly, Kent, if they want to reach out to you and ask a question, what would be the best way to get up with you? Um, my email address, it's kanderson at ohioshospice.org. Perfect. We'll go ahead and put that up on the screen, too, for those that are watching. So thanks again to our listeners. Kent, thanks again to you. And as always, I want to leave you with a bookend and a quote. And this is, I actually don't know who this is from, but it's one I use all the time. The best way to predict the future is to create it. Thanks for listening to TCN Talks.